Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on Limits of Leader on Top. Today we have with us Henry Kimsey House. Henry co-founded the Coaches Training Institute. CTI is a world-renowned Coaches Training Institute, which has trained more than 50,000 people. And Henry is a lead designer of the thought-provoking Coactive Leadership Model. Henry has designed the most phenomenal leadership programs, and I think I've been on every single CTI course. So I'm very fascinated and very honored to have you on this episode. Happy to be here. Look forward to talking to you and to all your people. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Henry. So the topic is limits of a leader on top. But before we go on to what are the limits of a leader on top, can you share what is your definition of a leader on top? Well, leader on top is a term that we use for the command and control traditional hierarchical leader, the leader who most people, when they think of leader, often paint this picture of leader, which is someone who's hired or it's a title, it's a position, it's a hired, elected, it's a person who is separated from everybody else and who, once they're in that position, must continuously show up as the one in control, one in charge, the commander, the one that uh, everyone else has to follow blindly, basically. <laughs> and that this leader also is a leader who is, is usually, in, in our day and age, tends to pull themselves to sort of an autocratic command and control, uh, really a almost dictatorial kind of way of being because they're at the top of the pyramid and the buck stops there, all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's where most of our leaders are these days. Right. That's a bit unfortunate. And a leader on top is, as you just mentioned, command and control. Well, isn't it nice to have a bit of control? Otherwise, wouldn't there be chaos? The paradigm shift that we're moving towards is how do we move leaders on top to leaders in front? And a, a leader in front learns how to actually hold a vision, hold a powerful vision, and at the same time, see that the distance between themselves and the vision and see the swirling chaos that exists there and find the flow, find the pattern through that chaos. And so it's not about commanding and controlling. It's about holding a powerful vision and also being able to be connected to the people that you're moving towards that vision. And uh, you're moving them into mysterious areas, mysterious territory. And the mysterious territory that you're moving them into often is filled with chaos and often is filled with risk and with sharp intakes of the breath, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And as soon as you mentioned mysterious areas and mysterious territories, of course, control has no place over there. Once you start controlling, once you start really looking at controlling or managing something, what happens is it is you have to play safe. And it really, it's really more of an ego-related game than it is a purpose or vision or direction-related game. So that you have to play safe, you have to look good, you have to get it right. And so that pulls you into a place of not risking because you're avoiding all risk instead of stepping in front. And a leader, a leader in front, a leader is someone who's actually 
covering territory they don't know. They haven't been there before. It's new territory. It's outside the box. And it's hard to control that. You can't control that. So when you're playing it safe, and especially when you're trying to look good, we end up wasting a lot of time in organizations trying to make presentations, trying to agree with other people, trying not to say things that we think is true, that is good for the organization. We might just agree on things that we know that our boss or our boss's boss is going to be okay with, but it's not something that we believe is the right thing to do or that's something that we are passionate about. And that is costing a lot of time and energy and money for people. Well, not only time, energy, and money is costing sort of their soul. Well, when people are forced to basically abdicate all responsibility and abdicate all sense of their purpose and their life and their vision for something that is outside of all that, you know, they lose, they start to lose themselves. They start to lose their souls and they start to lose the meaning of their life. And also they start to get more and more isolated and more and more alone because they aren't connecting to others with the truth of who they are. They're connecting to others from some other place, from from a place of ego, a place of trying to get it right, getting ahead, looking good, all that kind of stuff. Mm. We miss a whole lot of connection and we miss a whole lot of connection. It becomes hard to inspire and motivate people. So I can see a whole chain reactions. What are some other limitations that you see with a leader on top? Usually a leader on top there's, a, there's the personal internal limitations, which are, in my mind, they start not actually knowing who they are and what they're about anymore. <laughs> they're going after something that is no longer related to themselves. They're going after something that they've been given or hired or they become their role rather than they are their, the powerful individual they are going after something. And that's hard. It's hard to lose yourself. The other thing that happens, another limitation is that in an organization or in a community or in a family, the leader on top, and we, we regard that as the reactive leader as opposed to leader in front, which is the creative leader, they live their life pretty much in reaction. And we define reactions as living their lives from learned behaviors. In other words, they're controlling or managing things from what they already know. And they're not really, like we talked about earlier, they're not actually able to access that part of them that is stepping into the unknown with courage and with connection and with passion. You know, they can't, they they lose their ability to do that. And they start just checking the boxes and completing their to-do lists. I love those three words, courage, connection, and passion. Yeah. What is life if one were to go to work from nine to five for 40 years in their life and lose connection, passion, and courage? Absolutely. That's what I mean by losing yourself. Who are we if we're not living our life on our own edges and and looking off those edges to the next place? That's That's what growth is, right? Right, exactly. And we go to work. And so work is another opportunity to grow ourselves. Absolutely. Because I'm a firm believer, and this is in all dimensions of leadership, leader in front as well as all the other dimensions of leadership, I'm a firm believer in wholeness. In other words, I take my whole self to all parts of my life. I don't just bring my powerful leader in front self to work and bring my abdication to the rest of my life. You know, it's like I bring, I bring whoever I am to all of my life. 
Right, right. And so the way we show up at work or the way we show up at home is exactly the same way we would show up in every other place. So if we are living soullessly at work, that's going to be exactly, it's going to show up at home and in other areas of our life. Or it's going to show up as schizophrenia. You know, it's going to show up as I'm dead at work and and the only place I'm alive is with my family or the only place I'm alive is over here. And so it's almost like I have separate lives or separate personalities. I'm not a whole individual anymore. I, I, I segmented myself. I don't think that's useful or healthy. Okay. So if you want to create more leaders from the front who are much more creative, what is one thing people who are leading a soulless life or what is one thing that people who are losing themselves need to do in order to start leading from the front? There's, uh, there's so many things, of course, but let's, let's look at leading from the front as there's three important elements to leading from the front. The first is having a really clear vision that is based on your purpose, based on who you are and what you want to, what you're passionately longing for in your life. Not something that's a plan that's in your head, not a goal, not a thing that's just a, a head thought, but something that's really coming from your heart and your gut and something that you know must happen. That's the vision. The other part is you have to be clear that you have to bring the people, whatever, whoever the people are, to the vision. In order to bring those people to the vision, you need to connect with them, with those people through your heart, through a truthful, vulnerable place. So the two things that I would want any leader in front to really start to work on is what is your vision? Establishing it, journaling, looking at what is it you truly want to have happen in the world? Not just, I want to get bigger profits for X or this, or, you know, there's something that you're doing, getting bigger profits for that is important and meaningful for you. That's the first step. The second step is who are my people? How do I connect with them through my heart? How do I open up and tell them and be in relationship with them as opposed to just managing their tasks? A lot of times that's how uh, leaders on top work is they just delegate to resources. You know, they delegate to human resources instead of connecting to human beings and getting them passionately excited about their vision, which is what the job of leader in front is to get people inspired and passionate and, and wanting to move in the same direction they're moving in. I love the distinction that you make between human resources and human beings. Yes. <laughs> I, I hate the word human resources. I think <laughs> human beings are not resources. They are, they are creatures of this earth that need to be related with and connected with at their full level, their hearts, their souls, their emotions, all that. Yeah, I wonder how human resources department feels about human becoming a human being department. <laughs> well, it's interesting. At, at CTI, we, we don't have a human resources department. We have something called systems. Like how do human beings work within the system? How do they fit and live within the system called CTI? And so we call it the global head of human systems. So that's the person in charge of, of everything. How do human beings work together? And, and live together in systems. And even that feels a little bit, it feels a little bit not quite gooey enough for me, but I'll, I'll go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you say open up, and you spoke about the second point, which is like uh, connect with people and open up to them, open up your hearts and not just manage them as resources and give them tasks, but have a relationship with people. 
there is a lot of talk about vulnerability and vulnerability is, is a bit tricky. So what's your take on vulnerability and opening up? Vulnerability means exposing the truth of myself and exposing all of myself and all of my emotions. Vulnerability does not mean soft or crying. A lot of times people think I have to get vulnerable. That means I have to cry. No, vulnerability means that I'm opening my heart, opening myself, my emotions, and exposing the truth of them. And the more I can expose the truth of myself, and the more I can let people in, because I, I consider vulnerability closely related to intimacy. And I think intimacy, I always think of intimacy as into me see. And into me see is vulnerability. That, that is, I'm opening myself up and letting people see the truth of me. I'm not putting my masks and shields and those kind of things on to protect myself from them. I'm actually letting them in. That's vulnerability. In lots of martial arts and lots of Eastern philosophies, especially, vulnerability equals power. In other words, the more I, I'm more powerful, the more I'm able to expose myself and open, my, open the truth of myself up. I actually am more present. Therefore, I'm more powerful. There's a fear out there to open myself up and talk about where I'm errored, what's wrong with me, the failures that I've had. There's a sense of safety that you spoke about, and that is not not there with vulnerability. So, You know, it's interesting. Uh, the first moment of vulnerability feels very unsafe. Yeah, it is scary. It's scary because you're you're sort of unzipping your jacket and opening your jacket up and and showing what's behind it. Uh That first moment, it's like the of unzipping is very scary. What happens though that's remarkable is when you after you open it up, after you do expose or reveal the truth of you, what inevitably happens is such powerful connection occurs, such intimacy, such powerful relatedness occurs with the people you're exposing yourself to, that they would follow you anywhere. They would, they would pay attention to you in a way that they'd never paid attention to you before, because you've opened the, you've opened the door to yourself. And, and nothing connects people more powerfully than that. So on the other side of that moment of exposure is more safety than you can imagine, because those people will not go away. They will not let you down. You know, they will, they will believe in you like no one's ever believed in you before. And that makes safety. You know, that is truly safe. When you are in, you are truly loved and respected by others is when you're truly safe. You know, otherwise you're putting on a show. Right, exactly. We're putting on a show to be perfectionists. And then we all, when we put on a show to be perfectionists, we kind of set the stage as leaders for others also to not be vulnerable, to show up as perfectionism. And therefore, we build a wall. Yes. We build walls between ourselves and between our, actually between our head and the rest of our body. <laughs> our heart and, our butt, and we build walls between ourselves and others. And the more walls we build, the more alone we are. And I noticed that when people feel more and more alone, they actually have to do more to make themselves safe. That means they're feeling less safe. The more they put themselves behind walls, the less safe they feel, not the more safe they feel. You know, and, and, and that's the paradox of it to me. And the, and the other part of the paradox is the more they open themselves up and they discover that the love and connection and intimacy with others, the more safe they feel. 
<laughs> it's it's a, you know it could be an upward spiral or a downward spiral the way you describe it and if one were going down the downward spiral that is I don't want to go to vulnerability that is I want to feel safe I remain rational I stay up I connect through others through logic and um, reason and when we build that wall we try to create more safety and more and more safety and how do you allow light to come in in this dark place? One of the first things that we do is we work with people on at, how do I ask for help? Just say the word, not, not even with a lot of justification, but how do I get others to serve me or help me? How do I ask for? And asking for help, when you're in that logic place and you have to get the whole thing you're done by yourself and all that kind of stuff, the last thing you think you can do is ask for help. That's a sign of weakness. Exactly. It's also the door to vulnerability. It's like the, the first door. The minute you say, I want help, please help me with this. You think you're saying, I'm weak and I can't do this. But the truth is you're saying, come in, join me. <laughs> join me in this activity. Let's connect. It's so that, that, first, that first request for help is actually a request for connection. You know, And that's the light that's on the other side. When you talk about going down in the hole, right. the light you can find is connection to other. It's finding a connection to other. And that other can be another human being. It can also be spiritual. There are people that can find connection to spirit, to God, to, you know, other things as well that can help bring them out of that spiral you're talking about with a, that alone and feeling unsafe place. So there's relationship, period, connection, period. And it can be connection at a, at a spiritual level or an energetic level, or it can be connection at a personal or, or human level. Thank you. And most high achievers are very self-sufficient because a lot of evidence in their life shows that they have done it all by themselves and they have to struggle and not many people are there to support them. And they're the ones who are making tough decisions. So they're, they've developed a sense of competence, skill to be able to make those tough decisions and go out there all by themselves. And asking for help is a big challenge. And as you just mentioned, you when you ask for help, it's not about a sign of weakness, but it's rather a sign of opening a door and say, come in. Yes. Join me. Join me in this process. Join me in this decision. Join me in this uh, path that we're going to go on together. It's like it's, help is, is, is basically saying, join me in this. And what the interesting thing about asking for help is you got to be careful not to ask for help in too narrow a window. Like uh, create an expectation that it's, has to be exactly this kind of help because that will actually prevent you from receiving the help that comes, it, whether it's a spiritual help or whether it's a, a human help. When you ask for help openly and vulnerably and saying, join me, you need to look and see the nature of the help that's coming. It's not going to necessarily fit your narrow picture. And that, you have to be open to not have expectations about that. Well, you know, when I did the CTI leadership course, I was one of the people who didn't end up asking for help in that help exercise, in one of those exercises. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and funnily enough, you know, one of my assignments was to go out after the leadership program and go ask for help. And as you just mentioned, I would go out and ask for help in areas that I knew how to solve the problem. Yes. Right. Right. So you're sort of helping them and helping you. <laughs> like, I already knew. 
see if you come up with the right answer. <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Right. Uh, and I realized that I've been so wrong, that I've been so wrong in not asking for help, in not opening up doors. And in, a lot of us, when we are so self-sufficient and so independent and so task-focused, we're very focused on going there, getting things done and moving up ahead in our own, by our own self because that's how it's been all along. And I've learned a lot from, from there about how to open up and how to build relationships. And especially a leader from front is not just, as you mentioned, not just someone who's showing the way in the front, but also connecting with people. Both at the same time. And that's the, that's the huge courage of it. You know, the word courage, I think, really lives with leader in front. It lives in all the dimensions, but it really lives with leader in front. And, and the definition I love the most about courage that I've heard where it, where it came from or the roots of it, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it's sure, surely the one I love. It comes from jumping horses. Uh, and it's a French word. French accord is heart. And I think it's of it as the rage of the heart. And when a horse jumper and a, you know, a rider and a horse jump over a fence, they're actually doing something that is totally unreasonable. It's unreasonable to think that I can jump a multi-thousand-pound beast over a fence with me on top of it and not know what's on the other side. In order, only way we can do that is we throw our the horse and the rider both throw their heart over the fence first before they even know what's over there. They throw it over. They throw their heart over the fence, and everything else follows. And if you watch a horse with a rider or without a rider, how it jumps over an obstacle. You'll see how it's how it just throws itself over this fence with its heart first, and and accomplishes the unreasonable. You know, it's not there's no rational brain that would ever think that that beast with that rider will get over that obstacle. Wow, that's a fantastic definition. Throw your heart out there, and the rest will follow. Follow. Throw your heart over the fence, and the rest will follow. And, and you need to throw your heart on the fence, not knowing how you're going to land. You can't be worried about safety in that moment. You have to worry about just the leap. And that's where the passion and the vision counts. No way Everything to and have the passion. Yes. And by the way, that courageous leap is not just in the direction of the vision. It's also in the direction of the connection with the people. So it's like you're, you need to throw your heart over your fence in the name of connection as powerfully as you throw your heart in the, over the fence in the name of vision, you know, because how deeply can I connect to these people? They're going to follow me more powerfully, the more deeply I can truly connect to them, really connect. Thank you so much for sharing that because somehow we, we have the normalized views to have the vision and then the people, and then it's no, it's the both together. It's the end of the vision and the people and the connection both together at the same time. Absolutely. And the really sort of bizarre, mysterious uh, paradox of it all is that uh, a leader in terms of their vision, they have no idea when, if you're truly touching a vision, they personally have no idea how to get to that vision. And yet they have to courageously enroll people that, they're, that we're all going to get to that vision with certainty and with clarity and with passion and with power. And so the people also might not know whether that leader knows how to get to that vision, but man, are they on for the ride. They are so excited and so jazzed to be on for the ride and over, on for the leap over that fence with that leader. Let's see if we can make it so. Let's see if we can make it happen, you know? 
We don't know how we're going to get there. That's okay. Well, that's the power of connection. That's the power of trust. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. So what is one tip that you can give to help people develop the leader in front? The best tip, that, and it's, a, it's a, like everything in the world of co-active, which is where we all come from, is that there's a being tip and a doing tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, the being tip is to open your heart and connect with the people. How do, what do I need to, we talked about it earlier, how do I ask for help, how do I get vulnerable, and open my heart to connect with my people, with the people I'm trying to get there. The doing tip is get crystal clear on the vision, on what it is, where it is you're heading, and don't worry about the plan, don't worry about how to get there, just get clear on, on where, on where you're headed. And so, and spend time on where you're headed and spend time on connecting deeply to the people. Those two things, if you get those two things working together, that's leader in front. Excellent. I see a whole heart-mind connection in your answer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Before we close this episode, what is one last message that you'd like to share with the audience? Keep growing. Keep growing your consciousness. Keep staying awake to the world and to, to what it is what it is that's happening around you and within you and keep growing in consciousness and, and choosing rather than reacting. That's a lot of tips, but that's, that's how I live life. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us on this podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Deepa. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more, how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.